This is our league, and this is your league. From the 55-yard line on CFL America Radio and the Sports History Network. Stand by, 15 seconds to air. Stand by, old camera, and videotape. Ready with your opening graphics. Stand by, Howard. Here we come, Frank. Ready, Don. Stand by, audio, your opening music, and roll tape. Take tape. Super Bowl champ, Dick Vermeil. Good morning. Please excuse my throat, but it was an intense game last night. All right, let's go, momentum changers. Let's go, O. There it is, he's gone. So what's the world championship's all about, guys. Let's go, now let's go. So it all comes down to this. Six seconds to play. All right, guys, last play of the game. McNair drops, throws right side for Dyson. He dives for the end zone. Didn't make it, didn't make it. No, no, that's it, but we won it. That's a game, it's over. It's over, we're world champions. Well, one of my first thoughts was to get my family down there. Can you get my wife? Right there in section 130 behind the bench. She'll jump down, I don't care, she'll fly down. She'd been like an assistant coach on my coaching staff for a long time, and I wanted her to share that experience. Well, she came over the wall and I said, bring the kids. Come on down here. Then the cops were saying, you can't do that. I said, listen, this may be the only time in my life I ever won a Super Bowl. It's the first time they're coming. Come on, Stevie. All right, buddy. I got it. What do you think, guys, huh? We won the Super Bowl. We won the Super Bowl, did we not, huh? Did we win the Super Bowl? Did we win the Super Bowl, huh? Yeah. Did we win the Super Bowl? Yeah. There can't be anything higher than that moment at that time. Dick, you've had such an emotional season. 
Did you cry at all after the game last night? The only time I shed tears was when my brother said that our mother who, excuse me, said that uh, she told you you would go back and coach a Super Bowl winning team before you quit. And God, was she right. <laughs> I didn't think she was, but she was. It sounds unbelievable, even now. A 63-year-old coach leads a team with a no-name quarterback to a championship. It all happened in 1999 to Dick Vermeil, a racing for good, the disappointment of his first appearance in pro football's biggest game, 19 years earlier. In 1980, Vermeil was the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. And they lost Super Bowl 15 to the Oakland Raiders. Vermeil was criticized for overworking his players in preparation for the title game, a charge he would never live down. As soon as you lose, however you do it, for the rest of your life, those mechanics are going to be second-guessed. There are all kinds of situations through a long coaching career that you live with for a long time. And I think the pressure grows. When I was in Philadelphia, I was my own offensive coordinator. I coached my quarterbacks and ran all the quarterback meetings. I was involved in everything. Plus, I used to sleep all, you know, in the office and maybe get two, three, four hours sleep. And I knew I couldn't do that. I am emotionally burnt out and therefore feel that I need a break. Vermeil left coaching, but remained close to football as a broadcaster. He and his wife built a cabin in rural Pennsylvania, where he often thought of returning to the sidelines. But not until 1997, when John Shaw asked him to help rebuild the Rams, did 60-year-old Dick Vermeil decide to come back to coaching. 14 years ago, I left coaching, okay? I left coaching because I had to, and I'm not embarrassed to say it. Today I'm back, because I have to. Here's my reaction. That was my reaction when I heard Dick was going to be our coach. The only thing I knew about Dick was the old highlights, him screaming, him going nuts. Hey, Jerry, let's go! And the burnout, which scares players to death. Coaches that work 18 hours a day. Well, this is the guy we're going to have in. Vermeil was taking over a team that desperately needed help getting its head on straight. Since 1990, the Rams had stumbled to 36 wins and 76 losses. We had lost so much that we had accepted it, that we stopped working hard, that we stopped uh, pushing ourselves to be the best. So when he came in, he told us that it was going to be tough. There was no way, <laughs> no way I could have known what was going to happen at those practices. In 1997, defensive tackle DeMarco Farr began his fourth season with the Rams by meeting their new head coach, a man who had crossed his path before. I had one of my best games in college against Ohio State. Guess who the announcer was? Dick Vermeil. I won player of the game that day. So did Big Daddy Dan Wilkinson. So Dick, at the end of the broadcast, says, Big Daddy Wilkinson will be a future pro. DeMarco Farr, on the other hand, he's a great college player, too small for the pros. Yeah, I think it was a 
fair, honest evaluation because, you know, he was short, too small to be a defensive tackle in the National Football League. Farr was an undrafted free agent who signed with the Rams and worked his way into the starting lineup. He had endured three losing seasons with the team, but when Dick Vermeil arrived, Farr and the Rams discovered what real endurance was all about. Hey, first day out, first new Ram practice, the only way you can get better is to work. He made his point. The first minute we're on the field, we're banging pads. The first day, in the heat. All right, that's it, Jack. All right, good job. My attitude was when we step on the field, we're prepared to fight. No easing into a street fight, guys. It's a frame of mind, a, a toughness frame of mind. And I, I really felt the organization needed to be toughened up. Come on, Ronnie, you're not even sweating. Did you work today? Huh? We worked them harder than normal. Pads every day, three-hour practice in the morning, three-hour practice in the afternoon. Obviously, it wore them out. There were times in the season we went into games a little bit tired, but I didn't think we were going to beat anybody real early in the campaign anyway, and the thing to do was to just keep working them. No reason into a street fight. Let's go. Just as Vermeil expected, the Rams struggled in his first year. So when his second season began, the long practices continued, but so did the losing. Here they come, final play of the game. Juggled by Banks, who wants to throw it, now will run it. He's in the open, they dive for him, and short of the goal line, the game is over. Devastating. I mean, where do you go from here now? It took a toll on me emotionally. You know, I, I, can't, I can't tell you how many windshields I cracked. My own windshields. You know, punching them after games. I, I just, I hated losing so much. Eventually, we were trying everything in our power to get out of these practices. Against Chicago, the Saturday night before the game, we had a players-only meeting before the coach came in. And we thought about not playing the next day. Because here's our quarterback coming in. He has ice bags on. I got ice bags on my knees. Everybody's beat up from the practice we just had on Friday. And we got to play the Bears at their house the next day? They handed me a list of notes, all signed. Each guy wrote what bothered him. I can remember one is, I'm so tired, I can't be a good father, I just, I can't even play with my kids, I'm exhausted, I mean, I, 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 mean, I, I can't go shopping with my wife at night because my legs are tired. Not every player at the meeting had a complaint. I remember sitting over in the corner thinking, man, I'm just happy to be here, I'm not going to complain about one, one thing, I, you know, I don't care how hard we work, I'm just happy to be in the NFL, but just remembering how they were talking about, we're going to walk out of practice. It was something that I never dreamed I would ever see at the NFL level. The bunch of prima donna players that worry about working too hard instead of just showing up and playing football. He said, look, we got a game tomorrow. We'll try to make adjustments Monday. But right now, we got to get ready for the Bears. So we come back to practice. We have another meeting with Coach Vermeil in it. Coach, look, if you cut down the practices, we can win. He goes, okay, we'll go from three hours to two hours. So we did everything we did in a three-hour practice in two hours, which made it worse. In 
any coach in the National Football League uh, knows that the, it, it, with that kind of a record at two years, you better win your third or you're not going to be there. And yes, they were disappointed we were still losing. But uh, all I ever kept talking about is we're getting better. In January 1999, after two losing seasons, Dick Vermeil and the Rams' front office met to discuss the team's off-season objectives. Above all, they agreed that St. Louis needed to upgrade its offense. Vermeil began by hiring Redskins quarterback coach Mike Martz to serve as his offensive coordinator. The Rams signed Trent Green, who had flourished under Martz in Washington. And in April, they traded for Pro Bowl running back Marshall Falk and drafted wide receiver Torrey Holt. When you look at the new quarterback in Trent Green, you look at Isaac Bruce, you look at Marshall Falk, now you throw in a Torrey Holt, you have playmakers. They have really upgraded their team. And the first training camp practice lasted about an hour and a half. The first day, in pads, banging. They blew the horn, eh, eh. you know, double horn means practice is over. We couldn't believe it. Your first session, your first session, good session. That's the way to start. You know, you veterans that were here a year ago for your first session, compare that one with this one, huh? Not even close. And I felt that I'd worked a group as hard as I could work them for as long as I could work them. On the board? We'll go to a little more modern approach. Film study? It was a total change. All right, good job, guys. Go on in. We're walking around in a state of shock. You mean I can actually go to my locker? go to my room, go to lunch, and not feel like I'm going to die? <laughs> Through the start of the 1999 preseason, the spirit in St. Louis was high. Much of the excitement centered on the Rams' new quarterback. Trent Green comes in here, the real hope for this offense. We've been talking about him all game and all preseason long. Green drops. A great connection to number 18. Now we got Trent Green down. We've got Trent Green down in the middle of the field. It took one hit midway through the third game of the preseason to destroy the Rams' hope. And you can just hear all the air come out of the place. It, it, gut wrenching, believe me. It, uh, but uh, I don't know how else to, to describe it. You know, you. Uh, your first thoughts are, oh my gosh, the season's over. We can't play without a quarterback. I remember Isaac Bruce taking off his helmet and slamming it on the ground. It's like, we're back to square one. Kurt Warner checks in. Certainly not where Trent Green is and the kind of experience that Green brought to this offense. Saw Trent at halftime and he basically told me at that time, you know, I tore my ACL. I'm going to be out for the season. and. Um, I guess it was at that point where, you know, it kind of shocked me, like, uh, maybe this is my opportunity. Maybe this is my chance to play. <laughs> Kurt Warner was the new Will Fuhrer, who was the new Jamie Martin, who was the new T.J. Rubley. You know, he was the third-string guy that was cool. He was our scout team quarterback, and he was our guy that never gets in. No one knew his story at all. There were many stops on Kurt Warner's journey to that moment in St. Louis. None farther from the NFL than the Hy-Vee grocery store in Cedar Falls, Iowa. That's where Warner was after his college football career ended in 1994, trying to keep his NFL dreams from dying. 
as he stocks shelves on the graveyard shift. All the other people that were stocking at nights and were hoping to one day maybe become the, the night manager or become the manager of the grocery store, and this was their goal. And here I am saying, well, you know, I'm just doing this for a few months until the NFL calls again. The NFL never contacted Warner at the high V. The Arena League's Iowa Barnstormers did. Warner became the best quarterback in arena football. He grew content to spend the rest of his career as a star in Iowa, but was still willing to attend a tryout with the St. Louis Rams when they offered it in 1997. So I went into the tryout with St. Louis, uh, had the worst tryout of my career. Um, it was horrible. So I remember calling my wife as soon as I left the building. It's like, I, I think I just blew my last opportunity in the NFL. It, there were still some things impressive about him. Short, compact, you know, the little bit of a load delivery, got rid of the ball easily. Plus, we didn't have anybody. You know, yeah, yeah. you open the doors to more people when you're not a very good football team. The Rams signed Warner and sent him to play in NFL Europe. When he returned in the summer of 1998, Warner earned a spot on the St. Louis roster. A year later, he was the Rams' backup quarterback when his odyssey took its final turn towards the spotlight. Now we've got Trent Green down. We've got Trent Green down in the middle of the field. I told the whole squad, we've got a guy in this room that nobody knows about that can do it. And we aren't going to go out and find some guy that's played 10 years and maybe even been to a Super Bowl or been in a championship game or maybe played a, in a Pro Bowl at one time or another. We're going with Kurt Warner, and I sincerely believe he can do it. We will rally around Kurt Warner, and we'll play good football. They portrayed a quiet confidence in what I could accomplish, although still to this day, I don't know exactly what they believed or actually how well they thought I could play. Have a good one. Just hang within yourself. In the regular season opener, the quarterback who waited his whole life for a chance threw three touchdowns as the Rams beat Baltimore. Quarterback doesn't look bad, Jeremy. What? He doesn't look too bad. Quarterback? The Rams won their first three games. The first three starts of Kurt Warner's career. Play action, fake the end around. Warner throws down the middle. He's got a game. Touchdown, What a pass by Kurt Warner, the first quarterback in NFL history with three touchdown passes in each of his first three starts. He seemed to come out of thin air, but when Kurt Warner finally arrived, he captured the spotlight before the world could ask where he'd come from. Warner was the solution for St. Louis at quarterback. The question of whether or not the Rams were a bona fide contender still needed to be answered. In the Gateway City, excitement was building over St. Louis's hot start. But the Rams remained wary, realizing that their biggest hurdle was just ahead. The beginning of the 99, we'd won three straight, but we still have to play the Niners. That, that, that was always in our head, always in our head. The Rams had lost 17 straight games to the 49ers. They were especially haunted by one defeat in 1995. The Rams had begun their first season in St. Louis with a 5-1 record. 
but a spirit-crushing loss to San Francisco sent them reeling out of playoff contention. Ken Norton scored, punched the goalpost, they scored again, punched the goalpost. That was always in our head, always in our head. I remember uh, Dana Stubblefield, and he goes, different city, same team, same old Rams. Same old sorry-ass Rams! So long! It embarrassed the city, embarrassed us. So here it was, the 49ers coming into our place. Up to that point, we were having success. We felt good about where we were, but I don't know if we really believed how good we could be. This was going to be a telling game. Bruce goes in motion to the right side. Warner pumps for him, has him at the goal line, touchdown! They thought it was going to be the same old sorry Rams that they were playing. We unleashed on them. I'll never forget just the look that they had on offense. And I can remember Jerry Rice, the great player that he is, like, oh my God, I can't believe these guys are serious. Yeah, we are. I don't care who you are, Jerry. I don't care how great you are. I don't care about your Super Bowls or your rings. It's our time. The Rams ended the 17-game losing streak and finally embraced the notion that their hard work was paying off. I think everybody left the field that day saying, we could be something special. The new Rams ran their record to 6-0. Their rapid turnaround was becoming the story of 1999, and midway through his first season in St. Louis, running back Marshall Falk, number 28, was already the leader of the team. Marshall Falk can make a play when not many little things were done well. I have seen him do it. Gifted people take the design of things beyond the design. Hey, Marshall, we didn't block anybody. Hey. He's gifted. That's all there is to it. We didn't, we didn't block anybody. That was a hell of a run. Falk could make memorable plays with his body and with his mind. The Rams learned this as they trailed late against Tennessee when Falk gave a boost to number 81, Oz Hakim. Oz got drilled, he was laying on the ground, but we are in hurry up. We didn't have any timeouts. What do we do? The only guy that knew what to do, Marshall. Marshall grabs Oz by the collar, picks him up and holds him up so we can spike the football. Just save that opportunity to win the football game. We thought it was just gonna be a loss down. Picks the guy up and holds him up. Never seen anything like that before in my life. Greatest play I've ever seen. Falk's pick-me-up was wasted when the Rams missed the game-tying field goal. But the following week in Detroit, he would provide another lift, this time to Kurt Warner. With just a few minutes left, I was able to lead the team down, and we put the ball in the end zone to go ahead. Marshall Falk came over to me, and he kind of just looked at me, and he kind of just pointed at his heart. Right there, right there. 
Uh, that was really, for me, a turning point in that season and uh, something that, that I'll never forget and something that meant the world to me that he was kind of the leader on the team and now he was kind of handing the reins over to me saying, you're our guy. We going to the show. We going to the show. We want it. But the Rams' excitement was short-lived. With 28 seconds to play, a Lions score to send St. Louis to its second consecutive loss. Two losses now. People are starting to call us flukes and jokes and this and that. And all it did was make us even more hungry, make us even madder. <laughs> we didn't want to go back to that old stuff. We wanted to stay right where we were. Hey, how great is this? How are you? How great are you? Well, I feel pretty good. <laughs> now we're a good football team. You're a good football team. It's a good group. They're my guys. Got eight guys suiting up today that were here when I took it over. Eight guys. And, and they know how to work, and they still bitch a little bit, you know, that's all right. By his third season in St. Louis, Dick Vermeil had worked the Rams into winners, a team that was always fighting for ways to improve. I was having problems getting off these big guys, 320-pound guys. <laughs> guys I just could not beat with speed. So I needed to have something that would give me the edge, and it would have to be with these. And I had no idea how to use them until I met a guy named Ernest Hart, he said, if you want to go to the next level, give me a call. He gave me his card in, like, 1997. I didn't call him until 99. And I started working with the guy, and it just became like a martial art inside of football. I couldn't really punch and strike, but I could, you know, use my hands to get you in positions to, to where you couldn't stop me. I see the influence on you. Definitely. Yeah. i tell you what, being able to kick a guy in the mouth yeah. definitely does something for your confidence. <laughs> Defense helped restore St. Louis's confidence midway through the 1999 season. A week after the team fell to 6-2, the Ram defense scored two touchdowns in a win over Carolina. In week 11, another defensive touchdown helped to secure the Rams' first season sweep of San Francisco in 19 years. It was part of that karate work. Something goes up, my hand goes up with it. My hand just went up and tipped it, and Mike caught it. And there he goes, trucking to the end zone. Let's make another play. Let's go. Let's make another one. At Carolina in week 13, Dre Bly's 53-yard interception return clinched the Rams' 10th win and the division title for a team that just a year earlier had been referred to as the worst of the decade. Jeff, baby, NFC West. That's how it's done, baby. It's so sweet. Oh, my God. We're, we're champs. It's so sweet. We are no longer a losing football team. I've been waiting a long time, baby. Woo! Congratulations. We'd watch the Niners do it year after year. You know, and finally, it's us. Here we are. Here's a hat. Congratulations. And that's what Dick Vermeil brought to the football team. That feeling of being a winner. Well, I remember vividly walking off the field with Kevin Carter in one arm and DeMarco Farr in the other. Because they'd been there the whole time. They'd been through every three-hour double day. They'd been through the off-season program. They'd been through the bitching and moaning. They'd been through the, the whole routine to all of a sudden be a division champion.
In St. Louis, 1999 had turned into a fairy tale, and for the Rams' offense, a wizard named Mike Martz was writing the script. Mike Martz was very much responsible for uh, our success, along with all the coaches. But as an offensive coordinator, you have more responsibility. I told Mike when he came there, I was going to turn it over to him. time you got a chance. I appreciate that. You have the ability to be. Just go ahead and do it. I appreciate it. I do. When Mike was calling plays, he used to startle me sometimes. He'd do things coming out of our own area in the field that I wouldn't have done. Oh, Michael, 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 down here. Jeez, good luck. I'd say, oh my God, Mike, what, what are you doing? Bang, and it would work. That's one of the reasons we became so explosive offensively, because we had no fear. March's offense would be called the greatest show on turf, a scoring spectacular that shone the spotlight on Kurt Warner. Do you like to think that somebody could have thrown you in any offense and you would have had just as much success, but the style of play, the timing that we had with our offense in St. Louis. It was really just an extension of what I had learned and what I had perfected in arena football that we were able to take to um, the greatest show on turf. Corner take, scans the secondary. Warner had gone from working at the high V to being named the NFL's MVP. In 1999, Warner threw 41 touchdown passes and led the Rams to 13 wins. A remarkable turnaround for a man and a team. That is a touchdown pass for Kurt Warner. Now in the 40 touchdown pass club, there's Dan Marino and there's Kurt Warner. Unbelievable. In the first NFL playoff game ever held in St. Louis, the Rams scored on their first play from scrimmage. The 77-yard score by Isaac Bruce was the first of five touchdown passes by Kurt Warner. beat Minnesota and we move on and here comes big bad Tampa a tough as nails football team not much deception in what they're doing they're coming to knock you off your spot king of the mountain time Tampa Bay defensively was outstanding in fact we probably underestimated how good they really were Tampa Bay stole the ball on the Rams' first possession. The Bucks were intimidating St. Louis. You can't ease into a street fight. We did. They didn't. And it was the first time that I've seen Marshall, Kurt, Isaac, Torrey, her whole offense come off with their heads down. Like, 
Tampa had the answer to our to our offense. Nobody could figure it out, nobody could stop it. But Tampa had something for him. It was frustrating from the standpoint of being on the offense and not being able to do what we wanted to do. But the awesome thing about it was that it showed everybody that we had a complete team, that our defense was able to come out and really make the plays to win that game for us. In a game as messy as any street fight, the Rams' defense traded punches with the Bucs. Midway through the fourth quarter, St. Louis trailed 6-5. to five. An interception by Dre Bly gave the ball back to St. Louis. Defense was saving the Rams, but their sputtering offense was running out of chances. With four minutes left, it looked like the storybook season might finally end. You can start to hear it maybe in the background like, okay, if we don't win this game, it's still a great year. Just as that thought came into my head, I see Kurt loft one over to the corner. Well, here's Isaac and Tori looking at it. And there's Marshall out of the backfield looking at the pass, and I'm like, well, he's throwing it away. It's going to no one. Ricky caught the game-winning touchdown pass to put us into the Super Bowl. You don't ride it any better. The St. Louis Rams are Super Bowl bound. You gotta love it. The Rams had taken a long road to a Super Bowl berth. But they knew their journey was not yet complete. Gotta go to work! Gotta go to work! Everybody! Gotta go to work! Everybody! Gotta go to work! Work time! All right, ladies and gentlemen, the head coach of the NFC champion, St. Louis Rams, Dick Vermeil. Each time he met with the media leading up to Super Bowl 34, Dick Vermeil had to answer the same question. The approach to this game compared to last time I was at a Super Bowl game, well, I don't have any curfews scheduled. I don't let the small things bother me. We don't discipline every little tiny thing, guys. We discipline what we think makes a difference in winning and losing. I can remember being wound up in pretty, pretty in a lot of knots <laughs> when we landed to go to New Orleans to play. But at 63, I had better control of it than the last time I went to the Super Bowl. So I was going to be a better delegator. And I hope better define what it was going to take for us all to win, put the plan together, and go from there. Thank you. I had never done it that way before. No regrets. Thank you, buddy. I wanted them to go have fun and play like they were capable of playing. And you couldn't do that if you were afraid of losing. So he's right there. These are brass balls, man. We've got a hair today. As the Rams got revved up, a calm descended on Dick Vermeil, and confidence came in the form of a song. Ray Charles. I used to play Ray Charles mood music in the locker room of my high school games, just to relax the kids. 1959, my first coaching job at Delmar High School. We drove to San Francisco to hear Ray Charles sing. I heard that and I said, oh my gosh, 
It's going my way. That's a good omen to have Ray Charles saying, I promise you. This game's all about scoring points, guys. We've got to score some points. In the first half, Kurt Warner threw for nearly 300 yards, but he paid for every one. And the Rams scored only nine points. I was emotionally drained after the first half because of the frustration of not putting the ball in the end zone and, and feeling like we should have been up by a lot more. I was physically drained because of the, the pounding that I was taking. So I remember going in at halftime, laying out on a table, saying, come tell me what I need to know. I'm not going to get up. I'm just going to wait it out right here. I was just exhausted. Coach Vermeil, he actually went over to Paul Justin, who was my backup at the time, and just said, you know, are you ready to go? Are you ready to play? Kurt, I'm not sure he can go out and play in the second half. Uh, uh, you think he'll be able to finish the game? Yeah. Quarterback. He's all right. He says he's okay. And I think he's hurting a little bit. The doctors say he's okay. Warner was healthy enough to drive the Rams to a touchdown on their first possession in the third quarter. St. Louis took what felt like a comfortable 16 to nothing lead. But for the Titans, the fight was not over. Hey! Hey! Last I heard, you had to outscore somebody in four quarters. They're celebrating. They're celebrating right now. Look at them. Go win the game. Go, let's go, boys. The Titans scored on two consecutive drives to pull within three points. Then, with just over two minutes to play, Tennessee tied the game at 16. This is what it's all, this world championships are all about. Now we battle. Couldn't ask for a better script. Let's go win it right now. You know, we called the play. The play was 999, uh, which was basically all goes. You know, all four of our receivers were going to just run straight down the field. First attempt of the 27. Warner back to throw. Rainbow's the far sideline. And it's caught by Isaac Bruce. Makes a move to the 30, 25, 20. And they won't catch him today. Touchdown, Rams! What I remember about that play was Javon Curse. Javon was truly freakish then. And Kurt stood in the middle of that rush and lofted it deep. Next thing I know, I hear people on our bench going up and going up and down and screaming and going crazy. I see Isaac Bruce in the end zone. But what I watched was the courage of Kurt Warner to stand in the face of that rush. And we all saw it as a defense. This is what he's doing for us. You see what that guy's doing for us? He's getting killed for us so we can win, to put us in a better position to win. A minute and 54 seconds away. A minute. The only way they can beat us is throw it and his ass scrambling. The Rams needed to stop Titans quarterback Steve McNair. On third and five, with 22 seconds to play, they could not. Now steps back, rolls left, rolls right, and bad trouble back at the 40. He gets away somehow, fires downfield, there's Dyson. Dyson at the Time out. Ball time out. Kevin Carter! Kevin Carter! We had just played eight snaps of, of gung-ho, balls-out football. And that was all we had. Everybody was out of gas. Hey, you want out of the game with 26 seconds to go? You want out of the game with 26 seconds to go? Jay, 
And he looked at me right after he said that, and I about threw up on him. Really, I, I couldn't walk. After the Titans' final timeout, Kevin Carter, DeMarco Farr, and the defense returned to the field. So it all comes down to this. Six seconds to play. Well, I have a very low pulse. It's about 48. And about that time, it was three times that. All right, guys. Last play of the game. McNair will work out of the shotgun. The first thing on my mind was, please don't run. Because if he runs, there's nobody out there that's going to catch him. When he let that ball go, there was a sense of relief. My God, thank you. We got a shot. McNair drops. Throws right side for Nyson. He dives for the end zone. Reaches to the goal line. No, he falls at the one. the gateway to the West is now the gateway to the best football team in the world. I've been married, I've had kids, and those are the greatest experiences I've ever had in my life. And that's what winning the Super Bowl is like from a football standpoint. This culminated so much more than just football. It was about guys that had overcome so much to be at the pinnacle of their positions in their career. There's my coach. There's Isaac. There's, there's Kurt. There's Marshall. Those are the Rams up there because of one guy, and it was Coach for me. Everybody just wanted to hug him. And he looked at me like he wanted to, something special for me. DeMarco! Hey, buddy. Love you. We did it. We did it. We did it. He wanted to be the first to tell me. That's what it seemed like. Seeing that trophy was like meeting a celebrity, you know? You see him on TV, but here it is right here, and you get to touch it and hold it, and it's yours. Champion. You have caused me some stress. We got the trophy. You have caused me some stress in my life. Now you're here. Ah! I think there's a lot we all learn. Start with the old coach. We all learn, but the basic principles that it takes to win will never change. If it's 1980, 1990, year 2000, 2010, when you're raising your own kids. You surround yourself with good people and work hard and be unselfish and care and don't be embarrassed to say I love you and I appreciate it and because guys, if you say it, someone else will say it back to you and, and, and guys, I love you and you know that. I did want them uh, to appreciate everything they went through to end up being a world champion. 
once you've accomplished the opportunity to put that trophy up high, that will be with you regardless of what you do the rest of your life.